It's another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's another Victory Monday. It's football and random things. Jared Stansbury. What's up, Jeff Woody? It's a, this is a hell of a Victory Monday. Tell you what. Yeah. This, uh, this, is, this is a Victory Monday that might top all the Victory Mondays uh, thus far. There's a, there's a chance that there could be some bigger ones down the road. But for right now, this is, uh, this is one, of, uh, one of the best I think there's been in, in quite some time. Before we get going too far, I do need to, to give a quick shout-out to one of our Cyclone Fanatic Super Patrons. Today's Cyclone Fanatic Super Patron is Grant Highland. Grant started going to home Iowa State football games with his dad in 2000, and he's been to nearly every home game since he graduated from Iowa State in 2016. Shout out to those 2016, class of 2016 homies, uh, of which I also belong to. But uh, with a degree in music education, I bet Grant worked harder in school than I did, as Lolo was up underneath my chair. Uh, he was also in the drum line for a year in the, man, ISU CFVMB. Uh, do you know what? Can you can you say that, Jeff? Uh, the Iowa State University oh, sh- varsity marching band. What is Cyclone C- football varsity Cyclone, marching yeah. band? Grant decided to support CF because he's been a longtime consumer of the content, especially the football threads on the forums. He told us he thinks CF is the best coverage for Iowa State out there, and he loves the podcasts. As he put it, I listen to Jared and Jeff on Fart every week. So thank you to Grant. If you want to become a Cyclone Fanatic Super Patron, you want to get a shout out like this, or you just want to help support us and you know get more insider information from Chris Williams' weekly newslet- newsletters, all that kind of stuff, uh, you can find out more information on the CycloneFanatic.com homepage. Jeff, it's a uh, oh man, the Cyclones are uh, barring something completely insane going to play for a Big Twelve title. There is a, there is, there's such a, a weird, I don't know, it's pride, but at the same time, I still don't feel like this, you know, there's nothing that's been accomplished yet, you know, like it, this is, I think the perfect cradle for a fan to exist in. Like this is, this is a relish the moment kind of thing. If you're an Iowa state fan, because you're right in the, in the basket of, your team is really, really good. And they should be expected to win every single game. But expectations are not so burdensome that if you do happen to lose, the world is falling down. You know, because every, every fan base or every program will take that arc where at a certain point, you know, I mean, Texas is a, an example way on the far end of the spectrum. But Iowa State, who is ranked higher, and statistically better than Texas in almost every category, if you look, except I think passing offense, they were higher ranked in every other thing. By all intents and purposes, and it was a pick em game, by all intents and purposes, Iowa State winning that game against Texas is not in any way shocking. But because the weight of expectations sitting on Texas' shoulders, people in Austin and people talking about, you know, about the Longhorns are, is Herman going to get fired and why did Texas, whatever, whatever. So Iowa state still has some underdog in them, but they're still really, really freaking good. And looking forward, the team isn't set up not, not to say that it can't or wouldn't, but it isn't set up to have a one hit wonder kind of thing. There's depth everywhere. There's an increased, there, there's recruiting that has filled positions. It's, it's created a culture. It's created a role that everyone kind of is able to continue. So this is sort of the crown jewel so far 
of wins, but it's kind of, it feels like you're putting the jewel on the crown and the crown is still on the table. You know, like it, it doesn't feel like Iowa state is, you know, they've arrived and damn it, everyone should pay attention because we know what it is, but the rest of the country is still looking at Iowa state like an underdog. So you can be on both an underdog and a favorite at the same time. And that's just, this is, like I said, it's the crown jewel win of that kind of culmination of, of moments. Um, and now as you start to go forward, if you end up beating West Virginia, which I think we both expect to have happen, and you end up winning the big 12 championship, you have bulldozed your way all the way through the conference. The expectations start to exist then. So like, this is a sweet spot of kind of, you know, remember how you feel in this moment, because this moment is probably not going to be long for the world where expectations are nothing, but expectations internally are high. So it's uh, not to say that it's going to disappear in like a year or like three days, but in the sense that, you know, after two, three seasons of executing and, and winning like this, people start to expect things out of you. So I'm very content with where Iowa state is at very happy with where they're at in the sense that you, you know, like we talked about before with Texas, the Iowa state kind of culture is cool. What's next, you know? Okay, cool. We beat Texas. What's next. What do we have to do? Well, you know, what's the next thing that we have to do? So I don't see a hangover coming because this team is too mature to have a hangover a really strong hangover, maybe a little bit, but like there's a, a little bit of a hangover coming. So I don't know. That, that's just the, the kind of the overarching feeling I have is like, it's a really fun little cradle to exist in where you're both a favorite and an underdog at the exact same time. Yeah. I mean, and I think that the, you know, as immediately after the game, you're obviously thinking about, like I was thinking about the big total title game and stuff like that, but then it's like, it didn't take me very long after I kind of had calmed down. It's like, okay, before we think about that, we got to get next week because you want to go into Dallas with all good vibes, you know, for one mm -hmm. thing. And two, I mean, I, I don't think it can be understated how much of an achievement by itself going eight and one in this league would be for Iowa state. I mean, in a, especially in a situation where you went eight and one and you beat both Texas and Oklahoma. And the one loss that you had was a close loss to, uh, to Oklahoma state and to be the only on the team road. to yeah on the road. And to be the only team to do that in the league, I mean, that's a, that's massive, I think, for mm -hmm. Iowa State football. And because that's not, you know, that's not lucking your way into, uh, into the Big 12 championship game or, like, backdooring yourself in. That's like, no, we ran ourselves through the league, and we went mm -hmm. nearly top to bottom and beat everybody. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we are the ones who put ourselves here. You know, you didn't get lucky and somehow just end up here. Like what, you know. Right now, Oklahoma State kind of needs to get lucky to end up in there. Uh, you know, right. uh, someone like Texas, well, I guess Texas probably couldn't, you know, someone like Oklahoma, like it took a lot for Oklahoma to get back from the early hole that they put themselves in for them to be in mm -hmm. position again to get there. And that to me is, is why this, this game on Saturday is so important. To finish in first place alone in those standings is – such an incredibly massive achievement by itself before you even start to think about the championship game. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it before and I texted you this last night cause I was kind of just looking, doing a little bit of prep for the show, which is the first time that's ever happened is me preparing for the show. It's never happened before. Um, but looking as, as far as like, what is the situation that would occur uh, to keep Iowa state out of the title? Cause I think people are at least probably sort of curious what that looks like. So in order for that to happen, just 
I agree with you 100%. Like, don't leave this to chance. Win the damn game. Because one, it's a senior night, which it's a senior night caveat because everyone can get a red shirt if they want it. So like Jaquan Bailey could have two senior nights, you know, um, but it's, a, it's still a senior night. It's, it's the, the last home game of your season before you're going into the Big 12 title game. And you mentioned this a couple episodes ago of Kansas has won the regular season Big 12 or Big 12 basketball championship 14 years in a row. Right. I was well, not, now, won, not I, now, but yeah, they, they had done that prior to had, two years sorry, ago. Yeah. Had done that for what? 14 years in a row. And Iowa State went won like three or four of the big 12 titles in that time. And Baylor won a I think Baylor or Texas, something like that, won a big 12 title in that time, but they won the conference, right? Like in everyone's arguing mind, they won the conference because that is the, that's not getting, you know, like you mentioned, getting lucky. It's not backing into a game and then having a really good one game. That is 10 consecutive games. You put yourself or nine consecutive games. You put yourself in a position to be in this game. And then you won that game. So I think winning this game and sitting alone atop the conference is a really important thing to not leave it to tiebreakers, to not leave it to, you know, up and up in the waves or up in the wind of seeing what other things happen. But in the situation, so you can be conversational with your friends at the water cooler in order for Iowa state to not be in that from this point forward, it has to be like a 16 parlay that all or six game parlay that all these things have to have to happen exactly. So the tiebreakers, I think we talked about it before. Maybe this was, it was on the channel five show that I do is um, in order for, so the tiebreaker policy in the big 12 is if more than if two teams are tied, it's a head to head who won. And that's the team that gets that slot. If three teams are tied, they do a little round robin inside of there. So if Iowa State were to lose and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State all won out, then each team has two losses. Iowa State beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State beat Iowa. So everyone is one and one in that little round robin. So then they just check you against every the, the, the teams next in the conference rankings. So it'd be like those three teams. Okay, who? how did you guys do against the fourth place team? As it stands right now, that's Texas. Oklahoma beat Texas. Iowa State beat Texas. Oklahoma State lost to Texas. Iowa State, Oklahoma are left. Iowa State won that head-to-head. -head. Iowa State gets first. Oklahoma gets second. Oklahoma State gets third. So in order for Iowa State to not get in, they have to have won a three-way tie. So Oklahoma State and Oklahoma have to win out. Two, the fourth-place team has to be West Virginia. And since Texas has a head-to-head -head over West Virginia, Texas has to lose out. So the things that have to happen, if any of these don't happen, Iowa State's in. So Iowa State has to lose to West Virginia. Let's just not have that happen. Oklahoma has to win against West Virginia. Texas has to lose to both Kansas State and Kansas. And Oklahoma State has to beat TCU and Oklahoma State has to beat Baylor. If any of those things don't happen, let's say in the weird chance that Texas beats Kansas, Iowa State's in regardless. So is if you're looking for like, what is that 1%? It's a 16 parlay that isn't going to hit. So Iowa state is in like, you can, even the most doomsday of doomsdayers can probably just, you, you can breathe and relax, but to have to go in flexing on the conference is way better than having to rely on tiebreaker scenarios that put you in that situation. Well, and it puts you in a position where you, I mean, you could come out of Saturday and like that whole next week, you're just like, now we're just waiting. 
You know, mm-hmm. we're waiting to see who, uh, who we're going to get, you know, you go from being a team that's on the bubble in the NCAA tournament to being someone who's in, in like not in on the bubble isn't even the right way to put it, but like you go from being, uh, you know, that team that's like sitting there waiting on, on selection Sunday to being the one that's like, we can chill out at our, at our party. You know, we can have some good food and we just get to celebrate. Cause we already know that we're in, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like, where are they going to put us? You know? And at that point you're just like, who are we going to play? Like which team are we going to play? And the only way that it's and the only way that it's not Oklahoma is if West Virginia beats Oklahoma and Oklahoma State wins out. That's the only way that it's not OU. Right. Who does OU play this week? Uh, Baylor. Oh yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so I guess technically Baylor could beat Oklahoma, but probably not. So let's say if Oklahoma loses and Oklahoma State doesn't to either of their final two games, then Iowa State plays Oklahoma State, but. I want I that ass. I, I want Mike Gundy's ass. It's what, <laughs> like, like Chris Williams wanted Tom Herman's ass. I want, I want Mike Gundy's ass, but unfortunately probably not going to get it. Yeah. It's, I mean, for Iowa state, it's probably an easier road if you get Oklahoma state than it is if you get Oklahoma, but either way, I think Iowa state's in a good position. I mean, they're, but again, like, like we talked about, just don't win this game and don't back your way into it because it's always just the what's next, you know? So I, I don't know the Texas game too. Like we've kind of talked about what the general like scheme of everything, like how this plays into the grand narrative. Uh, but I think that the Texas game in and of itself, it wasn't necessarily the best game that Iowa state's played, but it was the best indicator of how good they are. Mm-hmm. Like that I think is the, the simplest way to put it is Iowa state could have played better but in playing the way that they did, it illustrated how the team is built and the stress that it puts on you as an opponent. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's one of those things where like, you know, in the past to win games like that, I wish they, and, and we've talked about this. I wish they has to play a perfect game, you know, in the past, it was like, if you're going to go and win that game, you can't do anything to shoot yourselves in the foot. Iowa State did some stuff to shoot themselves in the foot in this game. You miss a field goal right before halftime. You give them three free points when you line up wrong, which upon watching that play again, I'm not sure that that was even the right call. Uh, I mean, it looked like it was kind of borderline. Uh, what I'm guessing on that, by the way, what I'm guessing on that call, cause I, you know, having been on the field with referees, I would guess, even if it's not super there is I bet the referee was like, you know, 56 move 56, you got a bump 56. So like illuminating him or like telling him what he had to do and then it not happening, then at least to give him fair warning of what it was. So I'm guessing that was the case. Maybe it didn't, maybe it is. Anyway, continue. Yeah. I, I just saw it again. And it from, I mean, you probably know that rule better than me. Can you not be, you have to be completely out of that guy's shoulder, like the corner of his shoulder pads. Right. Yeah. And in, in the same way that holding can't occur uh, with your hands being grabbed outside of the frame of your body, it happens all the time. It's just a matter of where that gray, because where that gray line is acceptable and where it's not acceptable. So it's, the objective rule is yes, you have to be outside the frame of the center completely. Uh, the emphasis, the enforcement of that rule is different in most games. So it's an inconsistently applied rule. Okay. That's what, yeah, that's kind of what I figured it probably was. It was just, yeah, whatever. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But, uh, but you just have some of those situations where Iowa state, you know, they put themselves behind the eight ball a little bit 
And yet you just keep plugging away. You keep fighting, you keep playing. And it felt like the entire game, Texas was the one that had their backs against the wall, even though that they were in the lead, you know, had 10 point lead a couple different times. It felt like it, it was more on Texas to go and win the game than it was on Iowa state to go and win the game. You know, it felt like Texas was going to give you opportunities to come back in uh, and put yourself in position to win. And man, I will say too, you know, I don't think that's a bad Texas team. Like last no. year, the, the team that Iowa state beat last year in Ames, that was not a very good Texas team. This, I think that this Texas team is pretty good. I mean, th I don't think that that's a bad team at all. I so agree. when I see the people talking about Tom Herman and saying that Tom Herman should be fired and stuff like that, I don't, I don't really get it. Like that's where in my mind, I sit there and I look at Texas and I'm like, how many times are you guys going to do this before it just, you're, you're like, man, you know, maybe we need to just let something play out here for a little bit. Like, I know that Tom Herman's not winning a national championship, but man. And they had to, I think he, this is his, what, fifth or sixth season? Uh, well, that 2017 one was his first recruiting class, wasn't it? So, like his first, yeah, I think it's his fifth season. Did he come the first year Campbell did? Did they come at the same time? I'm, I'm not sure. I but think that that's right. So let's say it's the fifth season. This is his first time. This is the first time that he has a full recruiting class. And even though that first one was still like not a hundred percent sure, you know, it, it's recruiting on faith because you, you didn't get there the full season. Mm -hmm. This Texas team is as good as Texas has been in a really long time. And yeah. um, I, I think in, so to, to flush out the point, that was two really good teams playing each other. And Iowa state, like I said, how much, what their team does to stress you as an opponent. So Charlie Kolar and Dylan Sander combined. I don't think Chase, did Chase not have a reception? Not that I recall. Yeah, I don't think he did. But either way, Sander and Kohler had 200 yards receiving. And up until the final drive, Brees didn't have, he had about 30 something yards rushing or something like that, something pretty low, uh, and then ripped off two big runs. But I was reading a thing and, and I was trying to find uh, on Saturday morning, I, I tuned into game day late, but I was trying to find what, you know, uh, outside the outside world was saying about that game. And a lot of it was talking about Texas and how they blew the lead and blew the chance, which again, you can, Iowa state is an underdog and a favorite at the same time, favorite by betting odds, underdog by perception, but the, the entire offensive strategy, and we'll get into more on the defense. Cause I was texting with Jay Jordan about this. I, I kept watching the, I rewatched the game and I was, flabbergasted how well coordinated Iowa state's defense was. I mean, it was brilliant, but anyway, the, the offensive strategy is where and it's complimentary football, but like the offensive strategy is so established now that it is really difficult to stop Iowa state completely and, to, and beat them because the way that Texas played is, there are, you know, we talked about numbers in the box, right? Like out, basically tight end to tight end or tackle to tackle. The, if you draw five yards towards the defense and then connect those lines that you're building a little box and how many people inside that box are there? There's also, I, I call it, I don't know what the actual technical term is. I call it like box adjacent where like you're not in that box, but let's say you're a, a linebacker who's just outside the tight end and you're responsible for the gap outside the tight end, the, the D gap. So you are, you're box adjacent. You're not 
technically in the box itself, but you are close enough that you have a run responsibility that you can't just bail into pass or into pass defense where everyone else can bail into pass defense. So if you have a run responsibility, you're box or box adjacent. The entire game, Texas played with no less than seven players, box or box adjacent. Sometimes it was up to nine, where they would have four defensive linemen, three linebackers giving them seven. They would have a safety that they would play as kind of a like five yards outside the tight end and three yards back and put him as sort of a uh, force player, but looking in the run. And then they would have another like a nickel player doing the same thing on the other side. So you have like a corner and a deep safety are the only two that are not actively involved in the run defense. Well, back to Iowa state having 200 yards receiving to their tight ends, tight ends releasing, whether they are from a, a standup position or from a down position, tight ends release sometimes the same way on passes as they do runs. So Brees Hall running downward at all, running at the defense in any respect has to be treated now because he has, you know, the most rushing yards. He's only, he's only rushed for less than hundred yards in one game. It was this one. He had 92. So he has, he is such a threat and Iowa state's running game is such a threat that everyone that is box or box adjacent must look every play, regardless of down to distance, they must look in the backfield. They have to key offensive linemen to run to, to running back. They must play the run and a tight end releasing can sometimes release the exact same way to block as he does the same way to release for a pass. So you, if you're looking in the backfield and you see guards move, you see a running back run downhill and you see a tight end come at you, you can't, you, you can't not respect that as a run because of how good 28 is and this offense built around 28 is. So when that happens and he does release down the field, you've already taken three steps towards the line of scrimmage because you have to go fit your run gap. Then all of a sudden, when you do realize, crap, it is not a run, you're already beat because the tight ends are already behind you. The safeties are playing deep. So, you know, just to prevent anything big from happening, because if you have everybody tight and Dylan Sainer gets behind you, then he may not outrun you, but he's going to take that ball for 50 instead of for 20. So the safeties are deep. They're dropping to prevent anything big. Linebackers play up for the run. Everything from nine to 15 yards is open all the time if you play that heavy towards the run. So what's your other option? Tight ends have 200 yards of receiving or 200 receiving yards in the game. Okay, what's your other option? All right, we have to play. All right, we're going to take that nickel or we're going to take that, uh, you know, that, that outside linebacker and we're going to put him on a tight end to make sure that he is playing him more intently on the pass to slow down the tight end offense and less intently on the run. Well, now you've removed one of those box or box adjacent guys because you can't have that guy have a run fit but also be primarily focused on the pass. Those two things are in, like they're, they're incompatible. He, cause everyone who has a run gap has to run fit first because it hits faster. So if you take a step backwards to play the pass, but you have a run responsibility, by the time you've realized back that it is a run, the running back is already three yards down the field. It's a seven yard gain, even if you fit it quote correctly. So your other option is to guard the tight ends and take people out of the box, which means Brees Hall's running against five dudes. He, of course, you're going to choose the tight ends. I'd rather have Charlie run with the ball than Brees if I'm a defensive coordinator. So you are screwed in this situation of having Brees or the tight ends. And the thing that has changed since the second half of the Baylor game is that the wide receivers now, 
are forcing the corners and the safeties that they are a threat enough that they can't that they have to play the pass. Your safeties and your corners must respect the wide receivers so they can't also double in and allow a linebacker to flow towards one of the tight ends. So having Tariq Milton back is huge. Having him and Landon Akers both be able to attack areas when they're all sucked in tight to the line of scrimmage, to have them attack areas that are available, to have Sean Shaw be able to body somebody up and catch a pass, it's stressing every part of the field. The primary parts they're attacking are right up front and running and then nine to 15 yards down the field because you, you have to pick one or the other when you're playing Brees Hall or the tight ends. So this offense and how it is executing is incredibly stressful if you are a defensive coordinator because there you can't play both. You have to pick one. And if Iowa State's able to do the other, then you can't really do anything then. Right. And it just, I think that early in the game, well, and I think you see too where, you know, because of the way that they run the ball with Brees, they've gotten to the point now where early in a game you can kind of keep him bottled up, but Iowa State does not go away from the run. It's what Iowa does where, mm-hmm. you know, you might stop him for two, three carries in the first half. But by the time the fourth quarter comes along, that's when he's going to start busting it off for 19, 12, 8, 9, mm-hmm. 10, you know, 6, like for like per pop. And it's just like you, you had him bottled up early, but then by the time the fourth quarter comes, it's like, man, we're really tired of tackling this guy, you know? Because it takes so much effort. The thing that Brees – it's not that he is a physical mauler of a game. You know, it's not like you're trying like Derek Henry has that effect on defenses because he's a defensive end that runs the ball. He's six, four two fifty. You make business decisions not to tackle Derek Henry. Brees isn't that, but what Brees makes you do. And so this is a thing, and you know, to, to pump the channel five thing for the second time, when we do a whiteboard breakdown, it's able to actually should visually show this is what this person does at this time. The biggest difference that Iowa State had in the first quarter versus the fourth quarter, the last drive, with them actually being able to drive and run the ball, and it finally broke. It always breaks this season with the way that Iowa State runs because of the thing you talked about is they're going to keep running, and they're going to keep running, and they're going to keep running, and they're going to force you to defend it. And what makes Brees Hall so hard to stop is not his physicality. It's his pace that makes you stay where you have to be which is really hard to do. So like, I think uh, the best NFL draft prospects on Texas's team are there that tackle the, uh, what's his, the, the left tackle, whatever his name Sam is. Sam Cosme. And he actually so, opted out yesterday. So he's out for the rest of the year. So Cosme and the, uh, Oh, Joseph Osai, right? Those are your two best NFL prospects. Their best player other than Sam Ellinger is number 99. It's their big nose tackle. And he is one of the other, other than having like eight dudes in the box of box adjacent is the fact that he is so good at being in the spot that he needs to be, that you can't be there too. So the way that they would try and do it is they would run, whether they were running, uh, he was over the guard or whether he was, he was over the center. A lot of times they played a three down look and Iowa state likes to run behind down blocks on guards. So that's why when. Uh, Trevor Downing is in, they're able to run where he is because they like to take a guard. And if there's someone lined up over the center, they're going to take the guard and hammer him down and then pass him off to the center. And then the guard works up to the linebacker. So you have 
guy knocking him over and then moving up. Well, in order to knock him over, you actually have to move him. And then the center can take over once the guard has knocked him over. Well, number 99 didn't get moved. Iowa State wanted to run down blocks a lot or zone blocks either way. And one of the things that defensive linemen are taught, defensive players are taught to fight pressure with pressure. If you are trying to move me to my right, then I need to not go to my right because that's where you want me. So I have to go to my left when you're pushing me to my right. So I have to fight pressure with pressure. And so when he would feel a, a down block from Simmons, which is usually the guy who ended up doing most of the work, is when he would feel a down block from Simmons, he would lock him out and throw him by and then put himself in the right in the location where Simmons was trying to move him from. And Brees was right there. And then he had to make him like, you know, duck underneath his arm or something like that to try and gain three yards. Well, time after time, after time, after time, the steps involved in doing that are feel the pressure of a down block, extend, a, get a 300 pound human off of you, throw him by, move yourself to let's say four yards or three yards away from where you're standing right now with other people trying to hit you. And then if the, the play stretches you at 350 pounds have to run after Brees Hall because he's not going to run right into your gut. He's going to run away from you. So you have to feel the down block, run to your spot, then chase the ball down, do that 50, 60, 70 times in a game all of a sudden you don't have the legs to do all three of those components. Now take that at any other linebacker defensive end. Each one of those things is feel the block, feel the pressure, get rid of the block, fit your gap, and then chase the ball down. All those things. When you are playing Brees Hall, you must do all three. You can't against a player that's not as disciplined or not as tempoed as Brees is. A lot of times you can feel the pressure and like spin off of it or something like that that because it's easier. Well, if you spin off of it, you've left your gap open for a second. As soon as he sees that, Brees is gone. So you have to do it the hard way and perfect every time. As soon as you get fatigued, it's super hard to do all three of those things at the same time. So go back. If you have, if anyone has that game DVR, watch the final drive and just put your eyes on number 99. And you're going to see the first play that the big run that Brees has 99 is involved in the tackle 15 yards down the field because he fought off the block, then tried to fit the gap, and then he chased down Brees 15 yards down the field. They didn't substitute him out. Texas goes, hey, 99 is tired. Let's go at him right now. And once he got fatigued from the game and trying to chase him down, they went play action down the field. Now big number nine has to, 99 has to run 20 yards down the field, get lined up again, go right back at him. And by the time they got to the end of that drive, Colin Newell punked him in the last, in that touchdown run, because Iowa state time after time, after time, it's that body blow metaphor is eventually you're going to have to double over because you get punched in the ribs so many times. And that was what so to Texas's credit, that defense is really good because 99 and 46 with Osai and, and that dude are really good, but eventually you're going to get tired. Like you are going to be more fatigued because Iowa state is going to come and punch and punch and punch and punch. So it was just, it, it was such a, a cool thing to see two good teams executing. And finally one had to break because the way Iowa state plays. Yeah. And, and you saw later in the game too, where, um, where uh, Texas's pass rush just wasn't quite as potent. You know, early in the game, they were really able to get after Brock and put Brock in some pr pretty difficult situations. But then, you know, as the game went on, he was able to stand back there and throw a little bit more. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I felt like the 
I was never worried about the offense, like eventually getting something going enough going to be able to go down and score a touchdown. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was like, but it, it's just, it was funny to me that it took so long, you know, where, um, they just, they were kind of just like running in place a little bit and you could get a little bit going, but eventually Texas's defense would, would kind of bow up. And then like, once the dam broke, it like broke, you know, mm-hmm. and Iowa state goes down and scores in five plays. Yeah. And that to me was where it's just like, it, it takes some time. Sometimes it's the, and I, I think I even told you, it was like, this would be a great time for a death by a thousand cuts drive. Mm-hmm. Instead, they were just like, yeah, no, we're going to pull out our, you know, samurai sword and just dice them up real quick. We yeah. don't want, we don't want our thousand cuts knife. We just want to, and now it's over. Yeah. It was, it was really cool just because, you know, it's, it is, it's a sledgehammer to a brick wall. Like eventually that SOB is going to fall down. You don't know when you're going to, that what swing is going to end up sending the last brick that topples the whole thing. But if you keep swinging at the right spots, you're eventually going to get it to fall down. And I think, again, to bring it back to Texas's credit, that was a really solid game plan. I yeah. mean, they're just like in any defense, uh, you know, there are vulnerabilities in any defense. Generally speaking, you're not going to get an Iowa State over Kansas State like thumping. You're not going to have a, a thorough like chokehold of a game. You're going to have to give the other team something. Like, you understand that, you know, at a certain point, we can't stop everything. We're just going to do the best that we can. And they figured, all right, our, our options are we could let Xavier Hutchinson run with it. We could let Brees Hall run with it, or we could let Dylan Sainer run with it. And they're like, you know what? Let's let 89 take the ball for seven receptions, because if he gets a first down here or there, by the time we get into the red zone, we're going to be able to stop him because they can't run the ball the way we have this set up. It was a good strategy. It was just Iowa State out-executed that really good strategy. It was a good football game. So, I mean, super props to both sides of that game, Iowa State just ended up executing better. As a fellow big man, I feel bad for Dylan Sander every time that he catches the ball and gets tackled because the only <laughs> way to tackle him is to dive straight at his shins. And yep. it's just, you see him a lot where he'll pop up and kind of be like, not he's not hurt, but you can just tell that, I mean, everybody knows that feeling. Like when you hit your shin on something and it just is just complete, it's, you know, it, it's Will Smith with the, uh, the faded tweet pain, you know, like that's what you feel when you hit your shin like that. And it happens to Dylan Zaner every time he catches the ball and I feel bad for him. Well, Cause he's, I'm, I'm going to make that business decision. That dude is six, seven, two seventy five. Are you getting in front of that? No, you are not getting in front of that. You're going to hit him. I'm hitting him in the kneecap. That is all the higher I'm going to get on Dylan Zaner. Yeah, no, that does, that just doesn't look fun at all. All right. We'll switch over to the defense here in just a second, but first we got to, uh, got to give a shout out to one of our sponsors. Authentic brand is more than just your source for official cyclone gear with an amazing team of designers. Authentic brand can custom manufacture polo shirts, jackets, caps, bags, and beyond for your team or small business. Check them out online at authentic brand.com. Look authentic, feel authentic, be authentic. Uh, yeah, let's flip it over to the defense. Um, Okay. A couple different things. You talked about, you know, how well the game was coordinated. Uh, I mean, I want to give a shout out to, uh, to big number 56 in the middle. Cause that man is a different breed. 
uh, Latrell Bankston out there making plays. And uh, I also want to give a, a shout out to the refs for finally getting the balls to call a holding uh, against Jaquan Bailey on the, the last freaking drive of the game after it had been happening for the entire first, you know, 56 minutes. Uh, and then finally uh, figuring out uh, what it, what it took to, to make that call. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, McDonald and Bailey get held on every play because they have a they have a good outside move. They're going to get hooked on every single play. It's just a matter of if you're going to call it every single time. But uh, for for Iowa State, it's just it's another instance of executing really well. But your Latrell Bankston point, Latrell Bankston's able to get sacks because the two guys that are flanking him are number nine and number three, the two of the three leading sack producers in the entire conference. All right, you have a first round draft pick at left tackle. I would I would imagine you're comfortable putting him one on one somewhere with somebody. So that means you're going to double team the other two. If you miss on that double team with either of the other two, whether it's the other tackle or the other guard or the center if whatever, if you miss on that double team, that other dude is going to make it, is going to get a sack because you can't stop all three. So it's uh, that pass rush lineup when you're in a situation like that, which is one of the reasons I bet why uh, Texas decided to throw the ball quickly on that. The, the really, I thought that was an interesting call, interesting series of calls to call throw on second and third down on the one that set up Iowa state to move down the field, to score, to go ahead. That one I thought was uh, a, a not necessarily a great call, but the acknowledgement that three, nine and 56 are in the game on the defensive line mean that, okay, if you drop back, if, if you're in a position and you get stopped to if, on your first down run and you run a second time and you don't gain any yards and you have to drop back to throw those guys are potentially strip sack. That is a much riskier proposition than taking a couple quick passes, which prevents both bad options. They just didn't execute on those quick passes. So it's not the worst decision. It's an understandable decision. It just wasn't probably the best one. I mean, thanks Herman for throwing twice in those three plays. But the thing that is brilliant about uh, John Haycock is how simple yet ballsy Iowa State's defense is. And as an instance, or as an example, rather, Tell me a game where Iowa State doesn't, in their first two to three possessions, give up a significant amount of points or a significant amount of yards, and then after that, mysteriously somehow tighten back up. Uh, I don't what? know that there's been one. Kansas was maybe the only time that that didn't happen. But that's Kansas, so you kind of toss it out the window because they're not very good. Yeah. So uh, I think they forced a three and out against Oklahoma State on the first drive. Okay. That's so the only one. one. Uh, but, yeah, Texas basically had three drives in the game where they actually were able to move the ball. I think they went three and out on almost all the rest of them. And they were – it was the first two. And it was the first two drives. And so what – Well, and, and the one where they, they went for it on fourth down inside the 20. But that's, a, that's another thing. But the, the intention is Iowa State is just really good at what they do. They are saying that what we do – is good enough to stop most things. And if you've come up with something that we don't know about, that's going to break this defense, we want you to show us. I want you to show me how you want to break our defense. And then you do that thing in the first couple drives. And because of, we talk about complimentary football. So complimentary football, 
you look at the other side and you look at Brees Hall, you look at three tight ends. Do you want to be ahead of or behind in points to that offense? You, uh, you want to be ahead. You want to be in front, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to yeah. play from behind against Brees Hall and those tight ends because if they really wanted to and they go foot to nuts, you're not getting the ball back for eight minutes. So you feel the urgency to get out in front. So you kind of, you put, you put your cards on the table because you need to get, you need to try and get Iowa state out of their rhythm because of what they do on offense that you have to push chips in the table in the early part of the game, because you don't want Brees to take over. If Brees takes over ball game done, just wipe them off. Just roll, roll them up now, get out of here. So you feel the urgency to, to throw the cards on the table that are different than what you'd seen, but the different, what you'd run before, like, uh, talk, go to Baylor, you know, and at the end of the Baylor game, Mike Rose said, Hey, they threw things at us that we'd never seen before because they saw in Iowa state's defense, a weakness. If Iowa state ran it like they normally do. Well, rather than guessing at adjustments to say, you know what? I think that you're going to want to throw to your tight end. They're going to say what Iowa State does is we are going to play our base defense. We're not going to do anything special. We want you to show, I want you to show me exactly how you want to break my defense. And then you're going to do that in the first couple drives. Kansas State did it. Texas did it. Oklahoma did it. Baylor did it. Other than Oklahoma State, Louisiana did it. TCU did it. You are every single game. It's a, we want you to show us. And then once you do, we're going to take and have the people in, like, we're going to go through. And while the offense is on the field, we're going to go, okay, like against Texas, the adjustment that they made, there was two of them, two main adjustments. One of which is try not to allow number two to be on Brennan Eagles. Like that's goal. Number one is they, they, at a certain point, they matched Anthony Johnson on him and we've texted back and forth. Like, I don't think Daytron young is a bad player, but he is suspiciously around a lot of big plays on his yeah, side. I was, I was just going to say, it's almost like uh, John Haycock basically is taking like the video game developer approach where they give it to game testers before. And they're like, we want you to break our game before we, we release it so that we can fix the bugs and keep normal people from breaking it in the future, you exactly. know? Exactly. And it's almost like, man, I, I, how do I say this the best way possible? They, it's like they start the game the way they do because they're like, we want you to think that you can break the defense. And then, you know, we're going to flip it right around and you're not going to be able to break it anymore. And but that's, that's, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. And it's, I, this is the thing that I was texting with Jay and I was, my mind was blown in, in watching and kind of putting this together is they present the cards on the table. You know, they, 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 they make you do that. And then, so it, what Texas wanted to do, and as a very specific example, what Texas wanted to do is they wanted to pin and pull outside run. So they wanted pin and pull, meaning they wanted to down block with somebody, tackle tight end. They wanted to down block somebody and they wanted to pull a guard or guards out in front to get, and what that does is when Iowa State is playing in their drop eight defense, their three up drop eight, is whoever is playing the force position, meaning the guy like the, the Greg Eisworth, uh, Aishim Young uh, position, when, if you can kick that guy out, then you can, you have a bunch of space. 
whether or not you pull another guy behind it doesn't really matter because you've kicked out that force player and you've down blocked the tight end. You're just trusting that your somebody else is going to get to the linebacker on the front side, or the running back is going to catch an edge. and You're going to take it for seven yards. And that's kind of the way that Texas started when they ran the ball. I think Sam Ellinger had nine first half pass attempts because they wanted to run. They wanted to get their backs on the edges, you know, like Kansas state did last year, they wanted to get their running backs in the edge. So sometimes there's different, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. A lot of times they, you know, teams who just run speed zone or something like that. Texas like to pull the guards. How you screw that up is you bump that guard off track. So either you send a defensive end straight up the field, like Zach Peterson um, did that really well uh, on Saturday or Friday, excuse me, is you send the guard or the, the defensive end to that side straight up the field. So if you're a guard that's trying to pull, you have to either bubble around that guy or you have to go underneath. And if you go underneath, you're never going to catch back up to a defensive end or a, a defensive back who's going to play up there. So Iowa State in the first couple of drives said, all right, Texas, what do you want to do? You want to run outside zone with a guard pull. That's what you're going to base your run game off of. Cool. We're going to run up the field with our defensive end or the other way is to F up that guard is have a, a, a linebacker or a safety hit that guard in the thigh and stop him from pulling, which condenses the space, make the running back bubble backer around. So they said, all right, show us what you want to do. You want to do guard pulls to outside runs. Cool. Let's stop that then. And then once you stop that, Texas doesn't really have, they couldn't have a counter adjustment because the other thing that Iowa state did is they started bringing or they started traveling Anthony Johnson with Brennan Eagles towards the middle of the second half. And that slowed that down because Anthony Johnson is a terrific corner. And then the other thing that they started to do is this is when it was like chess versus checkers is they knew what Texas's adjustments to fronts were when they would present them. What that means is if I am a, an offensive lineman, or if I'm an offense, you can't, you can, it's just stupid to, to play a straight up man. You, Hey, tackle, you block that guy guard, you block that guy center, you block that guy because defensive linemen move. So if you say, Hey, you're blocking the defensive end. And then all of a sudden that defensive end loops all the way around to the other side. If you're playing a man blocking scheme, you have to follow him or you have to communicate all the way down the line to pass it off. So a lot of the times the ways that offensive line block or offensive linemen block is they do what's called a zone scheme, which is essentially, all right, I'm going to block anyone to my left. And the guy to my left is going to block anyone to his left. And the guy to his left is going to block anyone to his left. So they'll play a man side and a zone side. So you can still, if you know, they're not going to twist, you set the man side to that side, because you know that tackle defensive end guard defensive tackle squared away. There might be some funky stuff on the other side. So we're going to zone this other side and you set which side is the man side, which side is the zone side based on your comfort level with the defensive front. Iowa state knew how to screw with that. And they put the man side on sides that they wanted to move. So they would put the man side on, let's say towards any Wazirike. And then they would have the defensive end essentially or defensive tackle, like run towards the guard. And then they would bring pressure on that front side. So you have this man side of guard and tackle are the only two guys in the man side because the center guard and the, the center other guard and other tackle are zoning away from that. So you have a set, a, a tackle and a guard who are block, uh, who are encumbered by a defensive end and a defensive tackle. 
And now you just have another pressure that's going to come. So you've guaranteed a free run with your linebacker on a running back who happens to be a freshman. So he's a good physical player, but that's how you can start getting pressure. And then you have Orion Vance hang out back there and shadow Sam Elling or uh, uh, Sam. Okay. You now have pressure guaranteed. You screwed at the protection scheme. You forced Sam off timing, and now you've got a spy on him to push the pressure down the or to to get him to get rid of the ball. That is chess versus checkers. They could tell Texas what they wanted Texas to do because they just let Texas show their cards on the table in the first three drives. John Haycock is as good of a defensive coordinator as you could possibly find for what they have to go up against in every, any single game. It is unbelievable how well they, how well they set things up to make other teams give them exactly what they want. Yeah. And it's just, you, you see where they, you know, it's kind of like a, a rope a dope type situation, Muhammad Ali, where it's like, I'm going to see how you want to do things in like, uh, you know, you're going to think that you've got bullets left in the chamber, but by the time that the game's over, it's like, you have nothing left to throw at us that we we don't know you know yeah and uh that's like where at the man i'm gonna tell you what i tell you, i sent you a text message when when this that fourth and one stop happened uh right down, down at the iowa state i think 13 yard line i think i don't know how many people watch that game on tv everybody in the country knew what play texas was about to run uh -huh. when they and it, it's like it's one of those things where again for the second year in a row tom herman was like he's too stubborn man he's too damn stubborn and they've been doing it yep. the whole game and they've been doing it for the entire i mean literally they've been doing it the whole game everybody knew what was coming they were gonna run that quarterback power in the second that that it got stopped i think i texted you i said take your quarterback power and shove it up your ass tom herman but it was just it, it was one of those um, things where I was like, man, come on, bro. Like <laughs> on an X's and on an X's and O's level. And this just goes back to that. Uh, John Haycock being smarter than everyone and ballsier than everyone uh, is in order to get this situation where, you know, what the other team wants to do, you have to absorb some hits. Like you have to absorb yards down the field. You might give up a touchdown. You might give up two touchdowns or in the case of Baylor, you might give up three touchdowns, but beyond that, you know what they want to do and how to stop it. So, from a, from, a perspective, from a very technical perspective, when I said, you know, they want to run outside zone, they want to pull guards and they want to get, they want to get to the edges. You know what that you have to do to run a quarterback power? Pull, pull a guard. guard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember how I said penetration or screwing like effing up the guard, you know, who made that play Jaquan Bailey, right? Because there's a guard that pulled, they recognized what was going to happen. And he didn't try and make the tackle himself. All he wanted to do is just go straight up the field is just knife through and stop any momentum of that guard to be able to get up the field. So he goes straight up the field, the guard gets knocked off and they run Mike Rose right behind it. Well, they're comfortable with stopping that play because Texas told them how to stop it. Right. They told them what they wanted to run and they gave an indication that if this happens, you do this. And in the first three drives, they made Texas put their cards on the table and they couldn't execute after that. Now, granted, Sam Ellinger is still gonna run, like that, that second rushing touchdown that he had, that's a dude being a good football player. Like Sam Ellinger is going to get his every once in a while, you can't stop everything. But in scheduled on-time plays, there wasn't much. 
for Texas, after those first three drives, there wasn't much of any on-time scheduled plays that were successful. There was just a lot of scrambles or, uh, you know, boot, something that just a really good football player in Ellinger making a play or maybe, you know, a running back breaking a tackle and going for 11. Like that kind of thing. That's the only thing that really fit. So Iowa State, they just, you, you call it a rope-a-dope. They, that's exactly what it is. It's so brilliant. And there's more intricacies, but I don't even want to say those because I feel like those are trade secrets. But like, there's more things that Iowa State does that you can't help but fall for the trap. Like, show me what you got. If you don't, all right, cool. Our offense is going to take the ball for seven minutes in the first quarter on one drive. You're going to be down seven nothing. You haven't even touched the ball yet. Good luck. Right. You know, that's yeah. what Iowa State's offense is. And that's why it's fun. They beat Oklahoma with this same style. They beat Texas with this same style. Now they're probably going to get another crack at Oklahoma. I'm interested to see what it looks like when a team plays that twice, you know, are you going to learn from your mistakes? Because there are adjustments to make to it, but I'm interested to see what happens when they play a team who's already seen it, you know, like who already knows what to get. Do they fall into the same trap again? Well, and at that point you almost wonder if even Iowa state tries to not necessarily do something different, but they do, you know, it's like they they come out and kind of break their tendency and try and it and that's where it comes down to you know some coaches are so stubborn that they refuse to like not do they're so confident in what works that's what tom herman is like he's so confident that his team can run that cap that quarterback power that when it's fourth and one he's gonna run it every time you know and and it's like it's it's him it's like in in their mind it's like a thing where it's like we're texas we're it's like this is gonna work you know, it's worked the whole game, all these kinds of things. And it's like when, when the cards are down, it's time to time to make a play and go and win the game. What are we going to go to? best is better than your best. Yeah, it's like we're going to do it. And uh, But it's it, the best kind of coaches, I think, in, are the ones that it's like, okay, this is what they're expecting us to do. How do we manipulate what they're expecting us to do and, like, uh, and counteract that and then do something else, you know, and outsmart. And it's like, it's playing, it's playing a chess game, you know, and it's like making it to where all of a sudden you make a move and they're like, Oh man, I didn't see that one coming, you know, mm-hmm. and it can take an entire game to get into that point before you, you've kind of set that up. And, uh, but that's where I think that that, you know, that matchup will be really, would be really fun because, uh, Lincoln Riley's as good as anybody in the, in the country in that sense. And then I think you, like you mentioned, John Haycock's as good as anybody in the country in that sense, you give John Haycock two weeks to prepare for something like that. You want to tell me that that man is not going to have some tricks up his sleeve, the professor, the grand master, come on yeah that 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 would be that would be epic for sure i i'm i'm excited for that matchup just because again you you can see here's how we're going to go chess piece versus chess piece versus chess piece you know and from a chess metaphor um it seems like the, the best way i can say it is iowa state puts their queen you know in a very vulnerable position but by taking that you've sprung the move that you cannot escape from that you're going to lose the game. If you take this queen, you lose the game, but they do it every single time. And it's so tempting to do because it's such an important thing that you need to accomplish. Like let's take the other side of this con the other, the other side of the conversation. Let's say you keep your, your, your cards close to the chest. You run your base offense against their base defense. And it doesn't work because Iowa State executes really well. And you get down 14 to three. 
now you've unleashed Brees and the tight ends on offense that they're going to play keep away with you. And you're eventually going to get even more tired faster. So what are you going to do? Are you going to get up because you have to, or are you going to trust the fact that your offense could potentially come back against a team if given short time? That's what Oklahoma can potentially do. So I, that's just the really heads up matchup. And one other thing that I wanted to mention, cause you mentioned like the, the Tom Herman confidence, like the one thing, the thing that I really like about Herman is he's usually not, he wants to find the right answer. It doesn't necessarily have to be his answer, but if he has an answer that he's confident in, it doesn't really matter what you have to say. Like you have to recognize that his answer is better than your answer. Even if your answer is better, like that kind of thing, you know? Um, and the way that 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 played itself out on that that um uh the quarterback power to kind of on that fourth down the other time that played itself out is the the second completion or the the the, fir, the, the first pass attempt on it was that second down play on the one where he, they threw it twice out of three downs and punted it back to iowa state to set up the go-ahead the second down play was him saying no team can be disciplined enough to defend this because what they did, it was Herman trying to play, trying to get Iowa State to bite on something. They tried to throw a bubble screen, but they a bubble and go where there was one of the defender, one of the receivers was kind of just step back and look like he's going to catch a bubble because that's a more sensible play option when you are in a situation like that is, all right, let's, let's keep it in bounds. It's short, easy, high percentage throw but they ran the guy who is normally blocking on a bubble ran like a stutter and go, and they threw it to that guy because they thought Iowa state would see the bubble screen and play up on that and completely forget the, the guy who did the release. And then they would hit him for a big play. Cause he's one of the fastest dudes in the field. They're going to let him outrun everyone. That's a touchdown. That's a game over. It's 11 point game at that point ball game. Well, the problem is, is he was set on the fact that he could hit a home run without having set it up at first in the, without having set it up in the first place, because like the game situation, Texas really hadn't run bubble screens. I think they ran like one or two during the entire game. So it's not really a threat that you'd seen before. So it doesn't provide any enticement that that's going to happen. And two, complete the pass. Okay. You caught a pass at zero yards on the sideline. What's Mike Rose going to do? Just push him out of bounds the same thing it's it's a better play than running for iowa state it's a better play on defense than running it there so they looked at that and were like cool man throw a bubble so there wasn't any bite on the threat so it was herman wanted to go for the jugular rather than taking the play that's presented in front of him which again you kind of have to do that you know at certain points you have to go for the jugular if you succeed on that you win the game period there's nothing iowa state can do if you're up by 11 there's nothing iowa state's going to do but he tried to go up, go up 11 twice, one on the fourth down, and then the other on that bubble and go. And both those times trying to get that 11-point lead was to keep it away from Brock and Brees because he didn't want them to have the ball. So you can't fault him for the decision, but you kind of can fault him for this. You can understand the decision, but it's probably not the right decision. I think he would even tell you that is run the ball three times and see what happens. So I don't know. It was, it, it was such a fun – it was just such a fun game to go back and forth with just because it was so well coached on so well coached and so well executed on both sides, Texas in the next couple of years, I don't know what they have behind Sam Ellinger. Cause I would, if I'm Sam, I leave for the NFL. Like you're going to be a, a high, relatively high draft pick, like get out of here, dude. But if in the next couple of years, depending on what they have coming back, 
that, def- that defense is going to be really solid for Texas. Mm-hmm. That offense has two really good young running backs, plus a couple really like five-star wide receivers, plus some good offensive linemen. They're going to be good. Texas will be back very shortly. So Iowa State is going to have to do this every year. Oklahoma is never going anywhere. Oklahoma State, is, as long as Gundy's there, they're still going to be good. So Iowa State is essentially putting them in the conversation to say, if you want to go for a Big 12 title, you have to go through Ames, Norman, Stillwater, and Austin. And whoever comes out of those four cities is going to be the Big 12 champion. Right. For sure. All right. Uh, really quick, I want you to take your analyst hat off for two seconds. As someone who played at Iowa State, someone okay. who loves the program at Iowa State, what is a uh, – What's seeing this? What's being, you know, watching the program do this? Something that a lot of people, I think probably both of us, maybe even included, you know, five years ago, the idea of this being in this position, probably kind of uh, a dream, you know, not one that probably would have been very realistic uh, to be right on the edge of it now. What's, uh, what's that been like for you? What is it like for you? What was that like on Saturday, on Friday? I think for me, it is because I've never thought that this was impossible because personally, I I mean, call it bias. And this is analyst hat off. This is full cyclone alumnus, Jeff. When I went to Iowa state, everything about the university was exactly what I wanted in a college. And granted I can, I come from close so I could go back and visit my parents and stuff, but the academics are awesome. The campus is beautiful. The fans are great. They're, they're loud when they need to be loud. They're quiet when they need to be quiet. It's sold out. Even when you have two wins in the season and people say it's a hard place to recruit to. I'm like, bullshit, man, come to Ames and tell me you don't want to stay here other than the weather. What's what about Ames isn't enjoyable. And again, I'm biased. I know that, but when I know how good it is, and I know the, like the facilities are going and Jamie Pollard is invested. He's going to make the program. He wants to make the program like a, a winner. You are going to have fan support. You're going to have donors. You're going to have people to make this thing successful. It's like, I will correlate this. And I've said, I've used a little bit of a metaphor before, but it's now, or this analogy metaphor, whatever. I forget the difference, but they, in 2000, I think it's 2014, 21 pilots came to the M shop they were scheduled to come to the M shop and I had to work and I couldn't go, but I had tickets, but I was one of my favorite albums to this day was 21 pilots album vessel. I think that thing didn't even go like, you know, bronze, like platinum, triple platinum. That thing didn't even go bronze, but I knew how good it was. And I'm like, it is only a matter of time before this explodes and it's going to, because it's really good. And then when it explodes, it's kind of like, freaking knew it. I knew it. I called it. I knew it was happening. And so for me, it was finally, it was the same equivalent of having a much more invested, you know, less seeing like 21 pilots, see like the song stressed out is number one of the billboard charts. And that's like validation of what your thought was before. Now add another level of emotional tie to that and being like, I knew it. I knew that the thing that I knew was going to be big is finally big because I saw what it was going to be when it wasn't. So to me, it's more of a validation that everyone that went to Iowa state in the past and has been screaming the fact of don't disrespect this place finally had a chance to say like, see, do you see what happens? And even then in the, in, in one of the, like Emmanuel Acho, I think was on the Fox game. And he said the phrase, it's a hard place to recruit to. And I'm like, bro, have you ever been here as a potential athlete? Have you ever been here as a student? Have you ever not been here as a longhorn? 
Of course, it's a hard place to recruit to if you only look at it through it being in Iowa. But it was just, as a fan, it was a validation. That's what it felt like. And now, cool, what's next? Like, that's my, that's my kind of, my attitude as well as the team's. Cool. You, you're in the Big 12 championship. Do you want to back your way into the Big 12 championship? Or do you want to go kick ass in the Big 12 championship? Win this game against West Virginia and tell West Virginia they don't belong in the field with you. Get out of here. Go back to, go back to Morgantown. And then you get a chance at Oklahoma to prove that you're the best team. So that's, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, after the game, I, I thought a lot about guys like you and Jay and um, Brett and Todd and people that put a lot into it, you know. A lot of fan guys like Brent and Kirk Holland and people that like that that have been fans for a long time that you know you believe in something and you just never for a long time you don't get any validation in some on some level and uh, you know the idea of it being hard to recruit to man look at what their hit rate not only in football but in basketball when you get a kid on campus look at what their hit rate is on that of getting a mm-hmm. commitment. I, I would have to do research. It's high. I'm pretty confident in that. You get a kid on campus, you get a kid to Ames, especially if they can come and see a game or anything like that. A lot of times they're going to, they're going to end up being a cyclone, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's, it's lazy. It's easy to sit there and say that uh, it's a hard place to recruit to. Do we have the biggest talent base in the country? Duh, obviously not. We have, we're one of the lower population States that has two major college football programs. You know, uh, there's, is Iowa going to pump out division one recruits? No, but if you go and look at two, four, seven right now, I bet we've probably got 25 or 30 of them. (laughs) You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're getting closer and now look at the internet in 2020 kids don't fall through the cracks like they used to. You know, uh, there, there were kids that went to Northern Iowa and went to North Dakota state or went to Northwest Missouri state down in Maryville that, you know, could play division one college football kids like self Seth Malcolm from Fremont mills or Nate Meyer from Fremont mills back in the day that went to Iowa Seth Malcolm's going to, uh, going to Nebraska, you know, kids that, you know, like Tyler Moore from Johnston and things like that kids. That's just like, they maybe would get a walk on offer, but you just like never got a chance to see them. You know, someone like Zach Peterson from North Scott, like it just, it, they, no one saw him, you know, and now you got the internet and you get a chance to see him and you're like, man, this kid could be pretty special. And that's what Iowa state has built this thing on. They've built it on people like Mike Rose, who's going to go to Akron or ball state or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, they built it on people like Brock Purdy, who uh, didn't get a, his first power five offer until like January. That's what is so cool to me is it's just, you get people that believe in something you get, you get people that, uh, you know, are just looking to prove themselves because that's all like Iowa state's ever been trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get a bunch of people like that and look what can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something pretty cool. And, um, I think it's, uh, it's about time that everybody else woke up, I guess. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it's not surprising if you've experienced it to see that other people like it, you know, you have that yeah. cool new restaurant. That's incredible. And then you bring someone there and they're like, Oh my God, this is great. And they bring someone there and they go, Oh my God, this is great. And all of a sudden anyone who tries it is like, yeah, this is great. It's just a matter of like, all right. Yeah. Talk trash about it. If you want to try it, see. And now it's, it's cool. Cause they are now visible enough that 
you're getting talked about. You're number 12 in the CFP rankings. You are right there. It's like, you know, so, uh, Bruce Feldman wrote a thing today, the 20 names to know for the college football carousel. And it was something in there about how he wrote something about, um, Matt Campbell, like, uh, you know, once you go and see his program, you start to be like, Oh, this is what this is all about. I get it now. And it's like, when I read that, it was like, it's, it's almost like, man, I remember when I went and saw get out in the theaters and at the time mm-hmm. it had a hundred percent rating on rotten tomatoes. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, come on. Like, there's no way that a movie can have 100% of the people like it. And then the yeah. movie gets over and you're like, holy shit. I think that a hundred percent of people might actually <laughs> like this movie. And, uh-huh. uh, and that's what, like, that's what it is. Like with Matt Campbell and like with this program and with Ames, it's like the second that you come and you feel it and you see it, you're like, okay, now I get it. Like now I see it you know, and I see why people are so dedicated to it. And that's why you get into a situation where Dan McCarney is coming back. That's why Dan McCarney is still dedicated to Iowa state, you know, 15 years after he was fired. That's why, uh, that's why Paul Rhodes is tweeting. Congratulations to cyclone nation as Lolo rolls around on our back on my bed. Uh, that's why he tweets congratulations to cyclone nation five years after Paul Rhodes got fired. You know, that like, that's what, that's why these people are still like in it. You don't just like leave, you know? And I guarantee that if you could get Tom Herman, to be honest, Tom Herman would be a lot more uh, complimentary of Ames in his time at Iowa state than what he has been publicly calling it Siberia and all that kind of BS. Like that's just him pandering, you know? And uh, there's not very many people you're going to hear that are going to say bad things about it. But like I said, people have been sleeping uh, and uh, it's about time that, you know, our, our 100% rotten tomatoes rating finally, uh, comes to, uh, comes to everybody else. Everybody else woke up. Like I said, yeah. um, all right, buddy, we'll, uh, I'll talk to you again on, uh, on Friday when we do our radio show for, uh, for Saturday, hopefully we, uh, get to, uh, do something like this again next week, I guess. And, uh, victory, big 12 champion, a big 12 victory Monday. Yeah. Uh, Lolo apparently with some final words into the microphone and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to everybody again soon. Go Cyclones.